and I used to listen to Michael Card quite a bit. Very gifted musician. A couple of quick commercials. We have opportunity this month to be his ambassadors. Uh, tonight I'm going to uh, do a study for the next couple of weeks just on sharing our faith and straight from the North American Mission Board who has a session to help us to be reminded how to go out and how to tell people about the love of Christ. I encourage you to come be a part of that. And then on Tuesdays at 7, we want to go out and to see some people. So if you can come, um, let's, let's be together to go out and meet. And so look forward to that. Um, and then we have our fall festival coming up the 28th, I believe, on a Thursday of October. So encourage you, great opportunity to invite people to come, be a part. And on our fifth Sunday night sing, we're going to have a guy, Jerry Old Jonah Vinsel is going to come, and Jerry actually travels around and he shares uh, different sketches and monologues, and he is going to do his uh, talk on a, a circuit-riding preacher that used to be around this area. So let's use that as an opportunity to invite people to, as people get a little picture of what it was like to be a circuit-riding preacher and seeking to share the gospel in a different day, different time. Well, guys, here we are, uh, continuing on in revival need to live again, to be awakened. And we're in Psalm 85. I want to look at this ancient song. And I believe what we have here is a guy whose heart was distressed because he looked around him and he saw the people who were the Lord's who had forgotten the Lord. And he wanted that to change. And so we're going to uh, look at Psalm 85. I encourage you to find Psalm 85. I want to read it aloud as we stand in God's honor. Let's stand in God's honor when you find that. And Let me read. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God our Savior. Put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to His people, His saints, but let them not return to folly. Surely His salvation is near those who fear Him, that His love may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. And righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good. And our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before Him and prepares the way for His steps. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. Kids that hunger and thirst because we need You, Lord. And we live in a land that needs You. And Father, we pray that You reveal Yourself. Revive us again, O Lord. We need your filling. And I pray 
that that occur. God, that you grab a hold of us, Lord. That you jog our memories. That you help us to remember who we are. Why we're here. And what you want. And I pray that you just have your way, Lord, in this message. And Lord, as for the filling, the anointing of your Holy Spirit, if your Holy Spirit doesn't speak, nothing is said. Nothing that has any meaning. So I just pray your Spirit would be free to touch us, Lord. God, thank you for this opportunity. We invite you. In your name we pray. Amen. We find this song written by the sons of Korah. Some guys who looked around, and I believe as they looked around, their hearts were heavy. Because this was the land of God's chosen people. This was the land of those who had been set apart to God Himself. This was the land that God had touched and the people whose hearts He had brought to Him. This is the people He called out. And yet they had forgotten Him. As we look at verse 1, He says, You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. I believe what what these uh, ancient songwriters are doing, they're saying, Lord, You grabbed a hold of us as a people. That was our beginning. That was our start, Lord. You, you are the one who, who rose us up, Lord. You're the one that we should look to, Lord. You're, you're the one that prospered us, that blessed us, God. And, and, and what is, what is that blessing? What does it mean? Well, that's our next verses here. Uh, look at these with me. He says, You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turn from your fierce anger. Uh, it's all about God. I want to read to you this quote from uh, Jonathan Edwards. He said, The redeemed are dependent on God for all. All that we have, wisdom, pardon of sin, deliverance, acceptance in God's favor, grace, holiness, true comfort, happiness, eternal life and glory, we have from God by a mediator, and this mediator is God. God not only gives us the mediator and accepts His mediation and of His power and grace bestows the things purchased by the mediator. He is the mediator. Our blessings are what we have by purchase. And the purchase is made of God. The blessings are purchased of Him. And not only so, but God is the purchaser. Yes, God is both the purchaser and the price. For Christ, who is God, purchased these blessings by offering Himself as the price of our salvation. I love this here. He says He forgives our sins and He covers a covering. There is a a picture here of the scapegoat, which talks about in in the Old Testament, where the priest would come once a year and they would take this animal and they would place their hands on the animal and, and they would make this scapegoat the object of the sins of the people, and and then it would run out in the wilderness, and it was a picture of the sins of the people have left. It's a picture of forgiveness. 
And, and God, as He's talking here, as these songwriters get together, they said, we need to remember as a people, what sets us apart is that God has forgiven us. And when He has covered us with His forgiveness, it's a covering that just doesn't hide our sin so that it can't be seen, but it heals our sin. Because He applies that balm of Gilead over us and He heals us. He forgives us. And what is key to this message and what is key to revival is basic as that is, guys, to why we come and what church is about. We must never forget that we are the forgiven ones. That He forgave us at Calvary. That He took our sins to the cross. That He completely, 100% paid for our sins. That He did it. And, and so that's the first thing he shares with us. And secondly, he makes it clear that he frees us from wrath. We don't like to talk about that in this day of political correctness. We don't want to talk about judgment. We don't want to talk about hell. We don't want to talk about being separated from the Holy God. How could he do that? And he did everything for that not to happen by the cross. The Bible says that because of our sin, because we have rejected him, that we were headed toward hell, toward condemnation, toward separation. But that's changed. And and for us to live as if He hasn't forgiven us and hasn't changed us, guys, that's a huge crime. Listen to these words from Charles Spurgeon. He said, If I had a brother who had been murdered, what would you think of me if I daily consorted with the assassin who drove the dagger into my brother's heart? Surely I too must be an accomplice in the crime. Sin murdered Christ. Will you be a friend to it? Sin pierced the heart of the incarnate God. Can you love it? And so the psalmist is trying to remind the people in his heart as he, as he sings, he's saying, guys, what sets us apart is that we're forgiven and what we deserve has passed by because of the forgiveness of God. And that must, man, that must fill us. That must drive us. That must give us hope on a daily basis. And, as he deals with this, guys, he, he, these songwriters, they're, they're thinking about the nation. And they have a longing. God, we want people to... We, want to, we just want to turn back to you. We want to be revived. We want the land to thrive with word of you again. We want this place we live for you to rule, to be on the throne, and, and to be the one who's the center of attention. God, we want that to happen again in our land. That, that's his heart, guys. I think in these next verses, I made this point. I said many of God's children develop spiritual amnesia and forget His salvation. And the psalmist says, I want to remember it. Look at 84, verse, verse 4 and 5 of 85, Psalm 85. He says, Restore us again, O God our Savior. Put away our displeasure, your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all? generations. He says, Oh God, show us your mercy. And the dream, the heart is that the people will turn back to God and they'll remember Him. And I couldn't help but think of our own land. You know, how we started that people should have the right to worship God. And that the ways of God and the Bible was a part of what it was when you learned. 
that there was an accepted truth there that the Bible's the truth, man. That's what you do. You live by because this is what God has to say. This is what He thinks. And how, how we've lost that. And, and, you know, it's just broken my heart. You know, this is the first administration in the United States of America in recent memory that has not recognized the National Day of Prayer. It's not good. It's not good that we can't take the time and say, God, we need you in this land. God, we need your wisdom. God, we need your forgiveness. God, we need your help. Lord, we need to humble ourselves before you. I want to read, these are some quotes from some past presidents of our country. Uh, John Adams, he says, The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. President Teddy Roosevelt, the teachings of the Bible are so interwoven and entwined with our whole civic and social life that it would be literally impossible for us to figure to ourselves what that life would be if these teachings were removed. Woodrow Wilson, America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. Herbert Hoover, American life is built and can alone survive upon the fundamental philosophy announced by the Savior 1900 centuries ago. Harry Truman, this is a Christian nation. Richard Nixon, let us remember that as a Christian nation we have a charge and a destiny. Guys, it's Israel here that the psalmist is talking about, but I'm talking about where I live, where you live. We need God. In our land. We need, we need God to bring revival. To, to do His work. To wake us up. Uh, he goes on, verses 6 and 7. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord. Grant us your salvation. Guys, This is good news, and I'm afraid too often in our nation we treat it like outdated graffiti. This is more than art that's placed upon a wall. This is the very truth of God. And God wants to get a hold of us. And we're running away from Him instead of toward Him. And just like the psalmist was saying for his nation, so I plead for us as a nation that we'll come back. There does come a point where I fear that we we go so far away that the only alternative is judgment. And may God just grab a hold of us, bring us back. I read about this one church where evangelist went in, he was all excited, he looked on the wall and there was this huge banner. And it was and it said, uh, Holy Spirit, revive us again. And then there were these flames under you know at the bottom of the words. But then as he looked under the banner, there was a fire extinguisher. And he said, he thought, Lord, help that not exemplify this body of believers. Where we yell, Lord, we want revival. Lord, bring your fire. But the whole time, there's this fire extinguisher underneath it. Saying, God, I want you to come, but I'm going to keep it sprayed down in here. Make May I not extinguish what He wants to do. May none of us grieve the Spirit of God. Quench His fire that He wants to bring. I want to read to you. Uh, this is from Ephesians 2.11 through 17. It beautifully talks about the change He brings. He says, Remember formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, 
called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. He says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope, without God in the world. Guys, before Jesus, man, we were doomed. But he goes on. I'm glad he doesn't end there. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Isn't that sweet? The Bible says we were once far away, but we have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace who has made the two one, destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Now this this is the heart. This is the heart of the psalmist, and this is to be the heart of His people. And uh, as we get to the end of this psalm, I believe that these ancient songwriters are looking ahead, they're thinking about what it looks like now as people just don't seem to have that heart for God. And they, it's like asking the question, what would it look like around here if we really saw revival? What would it look like when God started moving? Well, let me just make a few points as we come to the end of the psalm here. Verse 8, the primary voice heard... Is that of the Lord? He says, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. He promises peace to His children, to His people, His saints. Let them not return to folly. Can you imagine a land? Can you imagine a people who incline their ear to God's truth? Who are passionate and care about God's ways? Can you imagine a land where people long to know God's stance on marriage, on parenting, on finances, on respecting one another, on caring about God's truth and not pushing Him aside? And, 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 and the, the change, the, man, just the, the movement of God, the relationships getting fixed and, and the better decisions and, man, Um, When that happens, the glory of God will return to our land. Look at verse 9. He says, Surely His salvation is near those who fear Him, that His glory may dwell in our land. You know, I thought about this. You have an evangelistic meeting where people are saved, and man, we need people saved desperately. One of the key ways God works through an evangelistic rally is first reviving His people. I want you to notice in this verse, He says His salvation is near those who fear Him. He talks about glory dwelling in the land. Well, where's His glory? It comes to those who fear Him. It comes when His church wakes up. It comes when His church is alive. It comes, what? When we remember, guys, that we're forgiven. 
And we remember that what we deserve is passed over us because of the Lamb, the Passover Lamb, dying at the cross, guys. Remembering that, that He brings revivals, He revives us. And, and, And here's what it looks like in our land. Unity. I mean real unity. Look at verses 10 and 11. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. And righteousness looks down from heaven. You know, as I looked at this um, and studied it, I realized that faithfulness and love were mentioned together in regard to the Lord 29 times in the Scripture. Often in our world we talk about love and we talk about peace. But there can be no lasting love and peace if you leave out the faithfulness and the righteousness. You see, the kind of love that we need is the kind of love that comes from the faithfulness of God alone. God is the only one big enough, strong enough, able enough to love you like you need to be loved. That is the kind of love we need. That is the kind of love this nation needs. A love that is on His faithfulness. It says in Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Guys, love that lasts is a love that comes from Him alone. He is the only one faithful enough to love us. And then it talks about peace. The peace that's lasting, guys, is a peace that's tied to righteousness. Peace comes because two sides have been able to be brought together where there is people who are satisfied. The only way to be brought together, God and man, is through Jesus. There's no such thing as peace without righteousness paying for the peace. There's no calm without the cross. And that's what we have to remember. That needs to be our basis, guys. That's when God revives us, is when He reminds us of basic truth. Forgiven and on mission. Notice here as He ends up these words. He says, Faithfulness springs forth from the earth. Righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good. And our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before Him and prepares the way for His steps. Guys, um, the righteousness around us comes from the faithfulness above us. And our call as His people, if you're His kid, if you're His child, is to remember His love and His faithfulness, to remember His peace comes from His righteousness and to walk in His steps for lives to be changed. Let's pray. Lord, uh, God, we need revival. Lord, I need revival, God. Father, as we have looked at this old ancient song, God, where people are so broken, Lord, that they penned words to a song that said, Lord, uh, we used to remember You, but we've forgotten Jog our memory, Lord. Wake us up. Lord, give us a sense of who we are. 
because of who you are and why we're here, what it means. Lord, just awaken us to how we're forgiven, how the judgment passed over us and how other people need to know that you are there. God, I just pray you do something to stir me, Lord, and to stir my brothers and sisters. And God, we come to you in this time, Lord. What do you want, Lord? Do you want us to come out to pray? Do you want us to come forward? Maybe there's someone here that that need to be revived. They need to be made alive. Maybe there's someone here who has never bowed the heart to Jesus, never said in an honest way, I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven. And just simply said, Lord, forgive me and come enter my life. Save me. Uh, Lord, um, I pray that for anyone here like that, that that one would come and find your salvation by saying yes to you and then speaking before your people and telling us what you've done. Lord, we just need you, Lord. Help us, God. Speak to us, Lord. Awaken us. In your name we pray. Amen.